This is the episode you all have been waiting for. It is the 2023 Fellas Flag Plant episode. Welcome in to the Fancy Football Fellas podcast. Lucas Wenzel, Tyler Plath joining you tonight. Cameron is unfortunately unable to join us. He uh, is down in the great and also not so great state of Florida when you have to evacuate for tropical storms, hurricanes, etc. So uh, he is currently evacuating right now. We are hoping and praying for all the best down in Florida. But Ty and I are here to hold down the fort tonight. We're going to go through three flag plans for each fellow players. We are all in on for the 2023 fantasy football season. You will hear Quite a few familiar names in this episode tonight. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting into this with you, Ty. Uh, and frankly, I really don't want to keep the people much longer because they're not here to listen to me make an introduction. But I will say, if you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube yet, make sure you go do that if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening to the podcast, we really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from and if you leave a nice little review boost us up the rankings a little bit we greatly appreciate you all we've seen our podcast numbers rising as well so again we are grateful for all the support here on the podcast but uh, i've been babbling long enough i mostly did a little filler there because i didn't have the transitions ready so uh without further ado ty i'm just gonna get us right into our flag plants for the 2023 fantasy football season This is going to be a very simple, a very, very simple round robin episode. We're just going to pop off on three players. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll insert cameras into here as well. I know he is very bummed he couldn't be here with us tonight. Uh, but we are also recording this on Monday. You'll get this on Wednesday. So if anything happens <laughs> in the next 36 hours, you cannot hold it against us. Because we're recording this two days early uh, due to some scheduling conflicts later in the week. So, uh, Ty, without further ado, I'm going to have you kick us off here. Your first flag plant for the 2023 fantasy football season is Tony Pollard. Yes. Who else? Who, Who else? else? Honestly, like, I, I feel like he's been mentioned at least once in every single episode this offseason because, like, how can you not? Right? Like, I, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet because we've explained it in all of our previous episodes, whether it's a mock draft or our league winners and all that kind of stuff. Look, Tony Pollard does not go down on first contact. He fights for extra yardage. He gets breakaway runs. He gets receiving work. Now there's no more Ezekiel Elliott. There's what 200 and something carries now freed up. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Tony Pollard is going to get 300 carries, but and 12 rushing touchdowns. Sorry, I'm going to chime in there. Thank 12 you, thank rushing you. touchdowns are open. See, look, good things happen when he gets the ball, and he's going to get the ball a ton this year. And everyone has been asking for this for at least a year, maybe two years if you're kind of a diehard Cowboy fan. But look, it's it's a reality now. It's right here in front of us. Go, go get Tony Pollard because you're not going to regret it. Efficiency volume meets just ultra fantasy production. He's my number one flight plant this year in fantasy football. I, he is why well, I don't understand why we're drafting him so late. When, like you said, this is the moment we've all been waiting for Andrew Erickson. When we had him on for our two episodes ago, this is exactly what he said. Why are we trying to kill off something? We all have been so longly waiting for fifth in yards per touch third in breakaway runs. 8th in yards created per touch, 10th in fantasy points per opportunity last year, and no Ezekiel Elliott anymore. And what has Mike McCarthy been saying all offseason, Ty? We want to run the ball more. We want to run the ball more. Who's going to run the football for that offense? Tony Pollard and Deuce Vaughn's a nice little player, but can we just be honest and potentially admit like he might just be a lot of preseason hype and not a lot of regular season bite? Like, Is that too harsh to say? It's just factual, honestly. It's, it's just factual. I I don't know why we're trying to dampen the hype on Tony Pollard. He is such an easy, easy flag plant. I'm I'm glad you took him. Uh, you've been on him longer than I have, but 
you and I have been neck and neck. You said, well, where do you have him at this year? I know I have him as my running back four. He's my running back three. So we're both ahead of ADP on him. I'm, I'd be very content taking him early second round. And if Deuce Vaughn is going to keep suppressing his value slash basically preventing it from rising any further, so be it. I will gladly take him in the later rounds, uh, in the later second round of our, of my fantasy drafts this year. It's just such an easy flag plant this year. I don't understand why we're trying to suppress excitement around Tony Pollard. I'll keep it moving here. I'll get into my first flag plant. And this is someone who I, like you, Ty, have been in on very, very early this offseason. Um, and I don't know what more you people need from Jahan Dotson this year. He is my first flag plant of the 2023 NFL season. There has been nonstop hype around Jahan Dotson all offseason. Like, there has been nothing but good things said about Jahan Dotson. Like, there are some people, I've seen it out there, I think it's reckless speculation that Jahan Dotson could rival Terry McLaurin for the wide receiver one in that offense this year, potentially even overtake. I think that's a little too spicy. I, I, I love both players. I love the talent of Jahan Dotson. But yet, yet all these things come out and his ADP can't get above the wide receiver 37 in redraft formats. And I just can't figure that out. I read everywhere that he is a sleeper. You type in sleeper wide receivers on Google, I guarantee you in eight out of 10 articles you read, Jahan Dotson is going to be on that list. Yet nobody is backing up their talk. Because if if people, if if the talk was being backed up, Jahan Dotson would not be would not be being drafted as the wide receiver 37 right now. But I, I, the Jahan Dotson truther of all offseason, have been backing up my talk since the beginning of June. I called him the best kept secret in fantasy football far before anyone else realized he was a value in drafts. And now you're reading all these mid-July, early August, mid-August articles saying Jahan Dotson's a sleeper. I told you that back in June. I have been banging the drum all offseason long. The commanders lined him up all over the formation last year. Okay, He succeeded in the slot. He won on deep routes down the sideline. He won in contested catch situations. He proved he was worth it as the 16th overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Ahead, ahead of Traylon Burks, might I remind you. And it, the biggest reason people are getting cold feet when they, they, they list him as a sleeper and they get to him in the draft, and if the reason they get cold feet is because of the quarterback play, is because of Sam Howell under center as a starting quarterback, I really don't want to hear it. I, I really don't. Carson Wentz, he was a train wreck. An absolute train wreck. You can also tell me you'd rather have Taylor Heineke at quarterback, who, oh, by the way, was the quarterback for the Washington Commanders when Jahan Dotson from week 13 on led all Washington wide receivers in air yard share, target share, targets per route run, and yards per route run. <laughs> it's silly. It is just silly. Now, I know I brought up earlier that Jahan Dotson could could rival Terry McLaurin. I don't actually believe that. I think he he still will be the wide receiver one for this team. Um, but even in that same stretch from week 13 on last year, though Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin were neck and neck in production, right? 15.3 yards per reception for Terry McLaurin, 16.4 for Dotson. It was familiar with how they're both utilizing the offense last year, but uh Jahan Dotson made the most out of his receptions. Air yards, Terry McLaurin had 238. Jahan Dotson only five yards behind with 233. Nearly identical. Yards after catch, within two yards, 113 to 111. Target share, within 0.7. Terry McLaurin, 23.1. Jahan Dotson, 23.8. And then their fantasy points per game, only within 0.8 points of each other. 15.5 for Terry McLaurin, 14.7 for Jahan Dotson, who was the wide receiver 15 in fantasy points per game from week 13 on last year. I have been banging the drum all offseason long that Jahan Dotson is a value at the wide. Started off as a wide receiver 40, and I got up to the wide receiver 39. We're up to the wide receiver 37 now, and I think that's where he's going to stall out. And that is fine by me because you are drafting a wide receiver going into the second year of his career in the NFL. We talk about sophomore leaps. Uh, you know, typically we see massive leaps from guys like Jefferson Chase. And I'm not saying Jahan Dotson's going to have that, but 
you can't tell me he's not going to improve going into this year. Eric Bieniemy coming in, he's going to get more design touches for him. I didn't keep Jahan Dotson short because I can't fathom how he comes up in all these sleeper articles. Everybody is on him, they say. Then why is his ADP not skyrocketing? Why has is his ADP only gone up three wide receivers since the start of the season? I don't understand that. This is the easiest flag plant in my life. Give me all of the Jahan Dotson this year. I've been banging the drum since June. I don't know how much more you want to add there, Ty, but I, I Jahan Dotson, I'm fired up for him this year. It it's it's the same as Tony Pollard. We're overthinking the simplicity of it. Like, yes. <laughs> sometimes simple isn't a bad thing. Sometimes simple is just the right thing and is just the smart thing to do. So <laughs> go get John dots in your drafts. You'll there, you, you at that point in your drafts, when you're drafting him, you, you, there's nothing that can lose you your draft by taking him. If you're waiting for a Patrick Mahomes kind of quarterback, and that's an extreme example, but but just go with me on this example here. If you're waiting for an elite quarterback to feed him the football, like if you're waiting for that, like look at look at all the Chiefs wide receivers last year with Patrick Mahomes. There wasn't a single top 40 option last year. Was Juju Smith-Schuster top 40 wide receiver? Did he finish top 40 last year? Pretty sure he was top something. Top, Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely top was something. something. <laughs> he something. was top something. But, but like nobody's screaming and hollering for Juju Smith-Schuster. Nobody's hollering for Kadarius Tony. Nobody's hollering. Oh, there, there are plenty of people hollering for Sky Moore, but nobody can decide who it is because there wasn't a elite productive wide receiver in that offense, even with the best quarterback in the NFL. So if you're really concerned about quarterback play, like that should not be an issue for you. Because even with the best quarterbacks, we haven't seen these talented weapons get it done. And people were pretty excited about Sky Moore. Pretty excited about Dynamite Kadarius Tony. Pretty excited about Juju Smith Schuster, who was don't let's not forget was was no slouch when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I I it's just silly that that people are fading him because of Sam Howell when literally probably the the a bottom three tandem at quarterback last year in the NFL. Uh, let's quick go through Cameron's uh, first flag plant here. I'm really bummed he can't be here to make the case for the, for each of his players, but this first one should come as no surprise to anybody. Uh, it is Jameer Gibbs running back for the Detroit Lions, and you can go back and listen to literally any of our videos. You can visit our, our draft guide. You can get that on sale on our chalkboard for 50% off right now. That's down in the description of the audio podcast or YouTube video you're listening to. You can go join our chalkboard, get that 50% off discount code. And you can go watch all the videos that we have made on Jameer Gibbs this year. And ultimately, Ty, what it comes down to, this is a perfect stat. Uh, and I am going to borrow this from, from the fantasy footballers. They talked about this when they, oh, and Andy Holloway made Jameer Gibbs his flag plant this year. In fantasy football, receptions are worth 2.5 more fantasy points than a single carry. So if you're looking at 300 carries, let's make this math simple. That would mean 120 receptions would be equivalent to 300 carries. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jameer Gibbs is going to have you know, 100 and 120 receptions this year, but let's do some more simple math, Ty. Let's say Jameer Gibbs, and maybe this isn't simple math because I'm also pulling up my Google right now to do the math, <laughs> but, but let's say, let's say he, gets, he gets 60 receptions this year, okay? 60 receptions, and we're going to multiply that by 2.5. That'll be equivalent to 150 carries. Now, do you think Jameer Gibbs gets somewhere around, oh, I don't know, 100 and let's say two, 250 carries? No, that, that's a lie. Do you think Jameer Gibbs gets anywhere over 125 carries this year? That's what the number I was going for. Yeah, he'll get over 125. So based on the numbers I plugged in there, we're looking at that combined, if you do the 60 receptions at Two and a half times its value to equal one carry. That'll be 150. And you add on 125 carries on top of that. You're looking at a 275 carry running back. Like that is elite. Like, like that is a number you want to see. So you're talking about a guy who's going to be used crazy effectively in the Detroit line passing offense drafted 12th overall in the past five years. Running backs who have been drafted top 12 in the NFL draft have gone on to finish as top 12 running backs their rookie year. That's Let's just keep it simple as that. You can listen to all of our other videos with Jameer Gibbs. 
uh, on our YouTube page. I brought him up as a league winner in our TikTok. There is so much content we have made around Jameer Gibbs that you can go back and listen to any of that and hear why we are just so in on him for the 2023 fantasy football season. All right, Ty, we've gone through one round of league winners. Let's go ahead to take a quick break. And we'll be back with round two. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Now, we love Underdog. It is the easiest place to play best ball formats, and they even have their own form of player props called Pick'em. You can make up to 20 times your money on a single night by correlating props together. Two picks will triple your money, three will six times it, four will ten times it, and five plays that all hit will multiply your entry by 20. You can even place insurance on your picks too, so if only four of your five props hit, you still get ten times your entry. And if you use our code FELLOWS when signing up, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. Alrighty, we are back. We're going to keep it going here. Round two of league winners. Ty, your second league winner for the 2023 fantasy football season is somebody who, once again, I am very glad you are talking about because I think he is currently, by my rankings, the best value at the running back position right now. It's actually Jameer Gibbs' teammate, David Montgomery. And I hear you saying like... crazy. I hear you saying, whoa, two Detroit Lion running backs as your flag plants? Fellas, what is happening? And get organized. Get organized. <laughs> right. And it's because I think both running backs can finish top 20 of all running backs this year. Yep. There have only been, I did the research a while back and I lost it and I feel bad for not having it. There have only been five or six running back tandems to finish top 20 in the last decade or so. Um, and they relatively feature a receiving back and a purely rushing back. And guess what? That's what the Detroit Lions have. Okay. And I'm going to throw it all the way back to when we had our friend Hayden Winks from the underdog fantasy football show on our podcast. And he mentioned David Montgomery as someone that he is taking in almost every draft that he can in best ball. And I'm here to, to tell you that, it's not necessarily just best ball that you should be taking him in. It's redraft also, okay? Look, David Montgomery currently goes off the board as a running back 31, which is absurd. <laughs> absurd. Because here's the matter of the fact. He is getting such a big role in this Detroit offense that the role itself kind of just it begs him to finish above the wide receiver 31 inside the top 25. If we saw Jamal Williams, granted he had a ton of touchdown work, but the guy had over 250 carries. Like he got a ton of work and that's, I'm not going to say it's a one for one because nothing is ever one for one when it comes to football, but it is pretty freaking close to be one for one. Okay. So, Jamal Williams led all players with carries inside the 20 last year. That bodes really well for David Montgomery. And in fact, Jamal Williams got more snaps than DeAndre Swift last year. So if, again, if that's any kind of sign for potential usage for David Montgomery, it's pretty supportive that Montgomery outperforms where he's going again, because of the role that he's getting. Now everyone's going to say, well, they spent first round draft capital on Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs has never been a bell cow back. The size that he has in his profile as a player does not match with a bell cow back. So you know that Montgomery, his role is going to be a lot of early down work and a lot of red zone work. Okay. Now put that behind one of the best offensive lines in the entire league. One of the best rushing attacks in the entire league and another Hayden wink stat for you. The lions were first in running back usage last year between DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. They upgraded both to Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Look, like I'm going to keep talking in circles over this because I just hope I'm nailing home the point that David Montgomery 
is going to hit double-digit touchdowns this year. He's going to hit at least 230 carries this year. He's going to sprinkle in some receiving work here and there because he is capable of doing that. Like David Montgomery as a running back 31 this year is such a smash pick every single time for me because I, I, I'm like 99% certain he outperforms that. And he he's I was thinking about this. You want to avoid taking running backs in the running back dead zone every, in every single year in fantasy football. Montgomery goes just outside of that dead zone. So if your big concern is, well, I don't really want to go, you know, I don't want to take a running back in the dead zone. Montgomery isn't in the dead zone. So look, I'll, I'll stop talking about Montgomery because I've explained it enough. The role just begs him to outperform where he goes in drafts right now talking about a guy who's been a top 25 player in fantasy football top 25 running back in each of the past four years as well like this is silly on the chicago bears where it wasn't always sunshine and roses for david montgomery it wasn't always healthy all the time either and he was still a top 24 running back each of the past four years in fantasy football now all of a sudden because jameer Gibbs comes into play because he goes to a better situation where Jamal Williams saw Lee Hyatt touchdowns last year, that all of a sudden that means we're just supposed to not draft him as high. Like, it's just silly. This Detroit Lions offense is set up to have two productive running backs. You're going to slam David Montgomery in between the gaps. You're going to run Jameer Gibbs outside off tackles. These two have two totally different roles in the team's running attack. They're, they don't they don't overlap each other. Jameer Gibbs has never been used as a red zone back in college. Never. Rarely, but basically never. So David Montgomery is going to get everything inside of the 20s on first and probably second down between the 20s. And Jameer Gibbs is going to clean everything up in the passing game. Uh, and, and sprinkle in a few carries along the way. Like, it is just silly that David Montgomery is going as a running back 31 right now. Like, do you, do you realize how far that down that is in drafts, Ty? Like, people are drafting David Montgomery in the ninth round in 12-man leagues on sleeper. It is just crazy. Like, I've been doing mock drafts. When I was prepping to draft from the 12th spot in my home league, there was quite a few drafts where David Montgomery would make it back to me at the 9-12. <laughs> I'm like, this is just stupid. It's just stupid so yeah no i i am 100 with you there i love that david montgomery is one of your flag plants this year uh and is there anything you want to add on top of that sorry i really sound like you're gonna chime in no i again there is a world where jameer gibbs and david montgomery can both finish inside the top 20 running backs this year and you have and you're paying up on capital for jameer gibbs and i will say like he's worth the capital but if you're gonna value hunt a little bit there is a very clear and very obvious Lions running back to to target that, and that's David Montgomery. Couldn't agree more. And you're even getting Jameer Gibbs at a disc because let's be real, if, if there was no you David are. Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs would be a you know, borderline first round pick. So I think you're getting both out of value, which sounds silly, but they're both going to be great for fantasy football this year. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and make it three running backs in a row, and this should come as a surprise to literally nobody. Literally nobody. When when we had guest Alex Caruso come on the show, uh, and he said his first best value in fantasy drafts this year was James Conner. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I absolutely started beaming. Because <laughs> I haven't found one good argument why people are out on James Conner this year, other than fear. They're out on James Conner because they're scared. They're scared of this offense being bad. Well, if that's your concern, I'd also advise you to be wary on Josh Jacobs, the Las Vegas Raiders offense, which isn't going to be that good this year. Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans offense, which despite adding DeAndre Hopkins, probably won't be that good this year. Damian Pierce and the Houston Texans offense, who if let's not kid ourselves, didn't improve that much this year. I'd also advise you to be out on those guys if that's your fear for James Conner. Now, they might be scared that he'll be horribly inefficient. Well, that's that's your concern. I'd also advise you to be out on Najee Harris this year. Has an average four yards carrying his NFL career. I'd also advise you to be out on, oh, Damian Pierce again, who averaged the same amount of yards per carry as James Conner last year. 
people are scared of, oh, I don't know, his injury concern. He can't stay on the field. If that's your concern, I'd also advise you to basically be wary of every running back in the NFL. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Running back is one of the most brutal positions to play in the NFL because you're constantly getting collided by 300-pound men trying to clobber you. Like, I, it, all running backs are an injury risk, if we're being perfectly honest with ourselves. So if you're that's your worry for James Conner, I'd be worried about every running back you draft this year. Like, we can make these arguments. My point in saying all that is that we can make any of these arguments against quite literally almost any running back in the NFL. But the numbers for James Conner do not lie that is the one thing that we can follow the one narrative that we can follow that will not lie to us his quarterback play won't be great this year i can't refute that i 100 hear you i 100 understand that but i honestly think it's getting blown out of proportion because let's be real colt mccoy wasn't that great of a backup quarterback no disrespect now with underdog fantasy shout out to colt mccoy man doing a doing a breakdown show with josh norris over there huge shouts to colt mccoy that's awesome but Connor, without Kyler Murray the past two seasons, has been averaging 22 and a half fantasy points per game. Do we realize that would have been good? As our friend Alex Crusoe pointed out, would have been good to be the overall running back one in 2022 and 2021. <laughs> James Connor has been good without Kyler Murray. He was on pace for 78 targets last year, which would have been fifth in the league, only behind Leonard Fournette, Ramondre Stevenson, Christian McCaffrey, and Austin Eckler. <laughs> He ran the third most routes only behind Austin Eckler and Leonard Fournette. What James Conner doesn't give you on the ground or pounding it into the end zone, because that's the other thing people are worried about. They're just not going to score a lot of touchdowns this year. He'll give it back to you in the receiving game as the second best weapon in this Cardinals offense. And as I mentioned earlier, receptions worth two and a half times more than a single rush attempt. And that boy, James Conner, he is going to get volume this year that will not be a concern he was 10th in rush share last year for our friends over at fantasy life great friends over there if you haven't checked out their tools on their website fantasylife.com their tools and analytics oh my gosh i have a plethora of things you can scroll through over there great friends of the show uh, but keontae ingram it's not going to change this year by the way his rush share top 10 that's not going to share because keontae ingram they could have used him last year with the team was four and 13 uh he was a six-round pick, and they refused to use him. Corey Clement, Ty, you know where he, you know when he was drafted? Mm, seventh round. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent. Oh yeah. So I, the the competition is certainly not a concern for James Conner. So this man's going to get volume both in the rushing and the receiving game, and it's not. Listen to me here. It is not going to be sexy. It's not going to be good. At all, whatsoever. I make zero promises to you that James, watching James Conner play football this year is going to be fun. Because it's not. It is not going to be fun to watch the Arizona Cardinals this year. But we are just being flat out silly. Drafting a top 20 running back, despite all the games he's missed, a top 20 running back each of the past two seasons, and a top 10 running back in fantasy points per game the last two seasons as the running back 25 in drafts right now. We are just being absolutely silly. James Conner. Him and Jahan Dotson were like the two plainly obvious flag plans for me this year. Uh, and I will I will gladly go ahead and step into the flames with him again in 2023. Not much else to say. <laughs> I mean, here's here the I keep going back to this point. Drew Petzing, the new offensive coordinator yes. for the Arizona Cardinals, his background is with the Minnesota Vikings and with the Cleveland Browns. And guess who were the main running backs during those times? Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb, who just got fed the ball all the time. That's the philosophy that's that it that, that's the offensive philosophy that we're gonna see from Arizona this year. It is going to be I like I, I don't think they're gonna be scared to run the football this year. I really don't. I don't think they're gonna be scared to run the football at all whatsoever. Uh I, like frankly, like could this honestly be like, since everybody's so in love with Damian Pierce from last year, could this honestly be a Damian Pierce? His efficiency was awful. He wasn't fun to watch run the football. But you know what? James Conner James Connor's going to get mixed in the receiving game too. He's going to give even more fantasy points there. 
I mean, why draft Damian Pierce when you can why? just well, have sir, James no, Conner? Serious. Why why draft Damian Pierce when you can draft James Conner? What is the difference between those two? <laughs> like, I, I'm 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 actually partially serious. <laughs> other than other than the Cardinals will probably be worse than the Texans this year, but like, what is the difference? Neither mm. Arizona has a better wide receiver. One, sure. Probably better back, probably better quarterback play. More competition for Damian Pierce than than James Conner. And James Conner has been top ten of fantasy points per game when Damian Pierce has it. Why draft Damian Pierce when you can draft James Conner instead? Oh, that is a brilliant point you brought up. I'd go draft James Conner. Flag point. Life plant. That was probably a really annoying sound yours. I apologize. Uh, we, need a, we, need, we need that as a sound bit for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> flag plant. It's it's just a not even a flag plant. It's just a disappointing. I tried to stick the flag into the ground and it just didn't work. <laughs> Let's get on to Cameron's second flag plant. Uh, and this was someone. Uh, I, I do at the end want to run through our short list of players who who we also consider for flag plants. I didn't quite make the cut. Uh, and this player wasn't my short list, and so I'm glad Cameron put him uh, in his flag plants. And it is Keenan Allen, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, and I, I think you and I have both seen the main argument: people don't why, why people don't want to draft Keenan Allen. Right? Um, he's made he's, a glass. He's too old. He's made a glass. He's on the injury report all the time. I mean. Look, last year was the first year since 2016. Keenan Allen has missed more than more than two games in a season. Pretty good, pretty good streak there. Uh, and in those seasons, I brought this up in our in our league winners episode as well when I talked about Keenan Allen. Uh, <laughs> talking about a guy who finished no worse than the wide receiver 16 in that stretch, and, and he finished top 12 more times than he finished outside of the top 12 in those five years. It's just silly. Kellen Moore is now the offensive coordinator. Uh, he, Keenan Allen has been the focal point. Of this offense, that, that's been reported heavily by beat reporters out of out of LA. Keenan Allen is the focal point. He's playing the CD Lamb type role, where he's not going to run ninety two percent of his routes in the slot, like Joe Lombardi just kept him in purgatory in the slot. They're going to move Keenan Allen all around the formation, and, and before you're like, oh, Keenan Allen can't win outside. Sure he can. Sure he can. He did all the time before Joe Lombardi was there. Sometimes I think people we we just like to make claims without going and doing our homework. First, and that's not like a jab at like, like, I don't mean for that to be such a jab. I do it sometimes as well. I, I do it as well, where I make a preconceived assumption about a player. I say, you know what? Actually, you know, eh, yeah, you know, that, that, that player. Eh, yeah, I don't know if they actually have what it takes to win on that. And then you go back and you actually do some digging. And you're like, oh, holy crap. Um, okay, I stand corrected. My opinion has now changed on a player, right? Like, like we all do it. But this is just purely one of those where we say, Keenan Allen's made of glass but we don't go back and look at the games he's played over the last seven years. We make a claim about, oh, he can't win on the outside without going back and looking that between 2017 until Joe, Joe Lombardi got there, you know, he was actually played less in the slot than when Joe Lombardi stuck him in purgatory there. So he is phenomenal. He turned in week, returned in week 11 from his injury last year, right? He was a wide receiver three. From that point on, he was first in receptions on the second most targets. He was absolutely phenomenal he has top 10 upside in Kellen Moore's offense now uh and they're gonna be throwing the ball all around the yard this year I don't care if they added Quentin Johnson he's not this world beater like Jalen Waddell Jamar Chase Justin Jefferson etc first thing I cannot stand the people that are out on Keenan Allen because of Quentin Johnston those people you cannot listen to if because they oh gosh Quentin Johnson is nowhere near like ready to take away targets from Mike Will from Keaton Allen Mike Williams. or Mike Williams. Like that is not happening. Okay. And if anything, Quentin Johnson right now is the fourth receiving option behind Keenan Allen, behind behind Mike Williams, and behind Austin Eckler. Okay. Yeah. That's the first point. The second point is even if Keenan Allen gets stuck in the slot, it's not the worst thing in the world because <laughs> no. guess what? The offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore helped CeeDee Lamb break out from the slot last year. Okay, so it's not the it's not the worst problem if he is still stuck in the slot, you know, position. Because Kellen Moore likes to build the offense around the slot. And that's really what good offensive coordinators do is they put their best weapons in the slot. 
take Kevin O'Connell and Justin Jefferson, take Sean McVay and Cooper Cup. Okay. It just also Kevin O'Connell, keep in mind during that time. Cooper Cup. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So look, there's you y'all can keep on passing on Keenan Allen. We'll just keep winning our leagues because we'll just keep taking them and you'll guys you guys will just regret it later. Yeah, that's another flight point I absolutely love from Cameron this year. I mean, that it, it, he's just such a smash pick at the end of the fourth round. Early uh, early fifth round, even. No, or, uh, sorry, mid-fourth round. I'm mm-hmm. thinking I'm getting my, my drafts all mixed up here. Um, yeah, like mid, early mid-fourth round is such a smash pick for me. Uh, if you're looking to build up wide receiver depth early, grab some running back value like, I don't know, David Montgomery, James Conner later, right? Like, you can legitimately start your draft CD Lamb, AJ Brown, and Keenan Allen as your three wide receivers, and nobody is touching that in your face. That is three potential top 10 wide receivers right there. All right, Ty, we'll keep it moving here. Last round of flag plants for this year. Uh, I wanted to make sure I gave us plenty of time to talk about this one because you're going to have to do a lot of convincing for me on this last flag plant. But you, I will, I will give you all the credit in the world. You have been convicted on this player. From very early on, ever since we released our draft guide back in June, you've been very convicted on this player since then. Uh, and your last flag plant uh, is someone who I think will, will will also cause a lot of commotion on. But go ahead and, and make your flag plant case. Drake London is my last flag plant. Okay. And he's currently in, in in the fellas draft guide. He's my wide receiver twenty, and he currently goes off the board as a wide receiver twenty seven. So I like the value there you're getting that you're getting him at. And look, you take a look at last year, fifth in target share. He was eighth in weighted opportunities of all wide receivers. He was eleventh in yards per route run, the holy grail of all receiving metrics. He was eighteenth of all riders of all wide receivers in red zone targets with fifteen, and that was with Marcus Mariota as his quarterback. So <laughs> there's a touchdown opportunity with a better thrower like Desmond Ritter. But here's the metric I want to take a, de- uh, a, a deeper dive into. Drake London was second in targets per route run. And in fact, he was targeted on 32% of his routes last year. Now, we ha- do have to acknowledge that London only ran 360 routes last year which was 57th best of all wide receivers but he was still targeted on 117 of those which hence second targets per route run but there's an article written by our friends at matthew uh, at matthew barry's fantasy life and again we mentioned them earlier it's it's the tool that you need to do your research on fantasy football but regardless there's an article out there that dives deeper into targets for route run and why it can be helpful in identifying breakout candidates and i literally just pulled this right out of the article look if a player sees a high target per route run on limited snaps like a drake london who was 39th in snap share and 34th in route participation there's a good chance he sees high target volume the following year if he gets a bigger role. So the question to ask is, does he get a bigger role in this offense? And you take a look. Well, see, initially you go, maybe, probably, I guess. So look, we talked about Jahan Dotson going into year two. Same thing is true for Drake London going into year two, who is, if I'm not mistaken, um, Drake London was a top 10 draft pick. If I'm not mistaken, if he was either eight or he was 10, one of the two. I believe he was eight, but I will triple back. I keep going. There's pedigree there. There is draft capital pedigree there, but year two for Drake London and I mentioned Desmond Ritter, and look, Desmond Ritter is not a ginormous upgrade over Marcus Mariota, but in terms of just throwing the ball, <laughs> give me Desmond Ritter like 10 times out of 10. Like <laughs> Marcus Mariota as a passer, uh, we saw it last year. It just It's a disaster. Okay, so year two, Desmond Ritter. Now the other component to this, and why he does get a bigger role, in my opinion, 
is actually because of Bijan Robinson and this running game that the Falcons have. The Falcons run game last year with just Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, and guys like Caleb Huntley and Avery Williams. They were one of the best units last year. And if I'm not mistaken, they were third in rushing yards of all teams last year. That's how they succeeded last year. And now they bring in Bijan via the draft. You know what opposing defenses can't do this year? Ignore the run game. Because if they do, Bijan Robinson is then, I mean, <laughs> he's going to run all over defenses and stuff like that. So because opposing defenses can't ignore this rushing, this, this running attack of the Atlanta Falcons, they, they are going to make Atlanta beat them through the air. And that means more routes. That means more targets. That means more receptions for Drake London. And if we're concerned about Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson as target getters in the offense alongside Drake London, let me just remind you that he was fifth in target share and his target share was 29%. So take that. Also look at the depth chart and you go, wow, there's really no one else that's really going to be vying for major targets. So it, to me, everything just points to a breakout with Drake London, right? Even if it's ugly volume, even if it's not pretty stat lines, Drake London's going to take a step forward because he's going to be asked to do more this year because he wasn't asked to do a whole lot last year. And as a wide receiver 31 from last year, you're only paying a fraction higher than where he finished last year because, again, he's going as a wide receiver 27. I think he's a lock for top 25. I think he pushes into the top 20. I think he sniffs top 15 this year. And the fact that you can get him in that flex territory in your drafts and you're grabbing him as a wide receiver three, if you if everything pays off, you're then looking at three wide receivers who then finish inside the top 20 and you got an insane discount on a guy like Drake London. So look, I understand this Falcons offense may not be the most ideal for a wide receiver like Drake London, but there's still a way for Drake London to break out, to get volume. I think that happens this year. Here's my massive concern on Drake London. Um, because I, uh, again, you know how much I'm a numbers guy and, and you chose the right strategy to try and convince me on Drake London uh, of going the pure analytical route, right? Because I, I, I believe I, I cannot refute numbers. You show me the number. What am I supposed to do? Tell you the number is put in wrong, right? Like, like these are cold, hard stats that we have calculated that have been calculated for us, um, for us to literally use to analyze players like Drake London. The one thing that I that I noticed wasn't included was the Falcons pass attempts per game last year. They only threw the ball 24 and a half times per game last year. Now that was historic, uh, not even historically low, but I believe that was the second lowest only to the Chicago bears who threw the ball 22 times per game last year. So I like keeping in mind, let's say they do up their passing attempts. Let's say a 28 times per game. Let's say they throw the ball three and a half times more per game, uh, get a little more balance of an attack. I mean, for Drake London to have a 20% target share, that's still only 133 targets. And if we're looking at guys who who have those target shares in the 28% range, like there was only, like Drake London was the only one last year that had a target share in that range and didn't have at least 145 targets. And those guys who did have 145 targets are all top 12 wide receivers. So so my concern with Drake London isn't necessarily competence of quarterback play. It's not necessarily his talent. It's not necessarily all the lo encouraging, lovey metrics that, that I love to look. Because you're right. I love looking at that yards per route run and seeing he was top 12 in the league as a rookie. I absolutely love that because that shows me that he's going to be a playmaker for this team, right? They, they trust this dude to be a playmaker. That being said, I actually don't know if Arthur Smith trusts him to be a playmaker because they're not feeding him the ball. He's Arthur Smith has an uncontrollable unapologetic love for just shoving the running back the football and 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 not 
saying sorry for you know ask for forgiveness later basically is Arthur Smith's mentality with with wide receivers. So my concern is when you spend that kind of draft capital that you did on a B. John Robinson this year, what incentive is there for you to go feed Drake London now? To go feed Kyle Pitts now? What incentive is there for you to do that when you drafted the best running back prospect we've seen since Saquon Barkley? What, what incentive is there for Arthur Smith to do that? That's my concern on Drake London. Uh, and now, admittedly, I probably have him too low in targets this year. I have him seeing uh, right around the same amount of targets as he did last year. So I can probably admittedly bring that up a little bit, assuming the Falcons pass more per game. And yeah, let's be honest, uh, Desmond Ender probably isn't going to target the likes of Mac Hollins. Or, uh, is Olamide Zacchaeus still around? God, nope, he's over guy. in Philly. <laughs> oh, rip in peace, Olamide Zacchaeus. <laughs> Uh, at any rate, let's be honest, Desmond Ritter is going to look to Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and B. John Robinson, so I could probably bring those targets up a bit. I'm just concerned that even with 27 pass attempts per game, Drake London on a 28% target share is still only going to get 133 targets this year, and that concerns me. So I then had, I then think too, well, you think back to Arthur Smith's time in Tennessee, A.J. Brown was a big piece of that offense and i'm not going to sit here and say that drake london and aj brown are the same kinds of players and stuff but there is a world because it's happened before where a receiver in an arthur smith offense takes a step six has a ton of production and all that kind of stuff now admittedly the chips do have to fall in the right place because again, this is very contingent on Drake London getting a bigger role. And the other, the other point that you brought up was do they throw the ball enough or, you know, do they throw the ball more times or more times? How am I trying to say this? The Falcons will, the Falcons will need to throw the ball more. I, I, I have to say that because not just from a historical perspective of only throwing the ball 415 times, which is the second lowest last year. It's because teams I'm expecting defenses to try to shut down this run game of the Falcons because it was a clear, it was a clear signal by taking Bijan in the with, I mean, first round draft capital, top 10 draft capital that they want to continue running the ball. And I know that Arthur Smith has shown in Tennessee that he can be kind of stubborn a little bit and go, well, even if a defense is going to try to stop us running the ball, we're going to keep running the ball, right? Because you got a Derrick Henry in the backfield. And now you got a Bijan Robinson. But again, my point is that they will be throwing the ball more. And even if it is just a, you know, 117 to 135 jump, something like that. That's still 18 more opportunities for a guy like Drake London to hole in a deep ball to bring in some of those red zone targets for touchdowns. So there, there is upside. There is second year leaps and there are some way more secure, way more likely leaps. <laughs> Garrett Wilson's and your Chris Olave's. I think Jahan Dotson and Drake London are in the same tier of sophomore wide receivers when it comes to leaps. And sure, maybe the the price that you're paying for Drake London is a little too rich compared to a Jahan Dotson. I get that. But I I personally am okay with where he goes in drafts. That's why he's one of my flight plans because I don't see an issue with those kind of things. But I understand if it's not for everybody because, like I said... His Falcons offense can uh, <laughs> can break some serious trust if this doesn't go right. Uh, and that is the one analytical argument I rarely fault is betting on talent because if a player is good, more times than not, they're going to find a way to be good in your fantasy football lineups as well. So with Jamar Chase, oh, he drops, drops so many passes in preseason. He's having trouble seeing the ball. Well, I'm just going to bet on talent. Screw all the rumors, all the analytical arguments. You can give me like, oh, I'll just go bet on talent. And that worked out. Same with Jackson Smith and Jigba this year. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh man, a lot of miles to feed in Seattle. Tyler Lockett. Yeah. He's still got one more good year in him. I don't know, but maybe you should just bet on Jackson Smith and Jigba because of talent. 
So I can't fault you for betting on Drake London because of talent, because of encouraging metrics. Like, I don't fault anybody for being back in on Kyle Pitts either. Like, I don't fault you for betting on talent. I just, I, there, are, there are reasons that I'm concerned and just other guys that I would rather bet on. And frankly, another talented player I am betting on because of talent this year and, and situation as well. But my last flight plan for 2023 is Jordan Addison, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. And he and Jahan Dotson, like they go back to back in drafts. And this, these are just two ADPs I just can't fathom. I just can't fathom. Jahan Dot, I, I listed you all the encouraging metrics on Jahan Dotson. I brought up Jordan Addison on our league winners episode with Andrew Erickson. Uh, again, you can go listen to that. A lot of these league winners are popping up here in our flag plans for this year. I just, Jordan Addison is in just such the perfect situation. Now, I understand. I understand the Vikings have TJ Hawkinson around. They're negotiating a contract with him to keep him around. I get it. I get he's around. I get he's a threat. I get he can be the number two option. I think people also got kind of enamored with the games where TJ Hawkinson saw 14 targets. They're like, oh yeah, that's the wide receiver, the wide receiver too in Minnesota. You look at some of those games, so like some of those target metrics, like, yeah, Hawk, Hawk got nice little, some, some good volume, but I think there's plenty to go around in this offense when you look at Adam Thielen, who was second in routes run last year. He was on the field plenty. You look at his red zone targets, he was fifth. Red zone receptions, he was fifth. Receptions inside of the 10-yard line, he was fifth. Some encouraging metrics from Jordan Addison to be stepping into. You look at the Vikings as a whole, Third and pass play percentage last year. Third and pass plays per game. Second in red zone passing attempts. Second in passing attempts inside of the 10-yard line. Like, this is a team that's going to chug the ball around. And Ty, if you had to, if you had to, be, being Vikings fans that we are, and, and this, isn't, this isn't just a homer pick in Jordan Addison. I promise you that because I also believe Jordan Addison's in the perfect setup. But, but Ty, if you, there, there he is. He's got the mini helmet there. But Ty, if you were, give me like, a tier that you think the Minnesota Vikings defense is in talent wise. Don't factor in Brian Flores because we know Brian Flores is going to make this defense better than it is on paper. But I also think we need to start from, from the point of like talent wise, what are the Minnesota Vikings working with this year in terms of talent on the defensive side of the football in regards to the entire NFL, that awkward purgatory between middle of the pack and dead last. Whatever right. that middle tier is, that is just ugly and is just not great. Talent-wise, that's where they are. Talent-wise, they're probably a D-tier defense. I agree. Uh, an E-tier. If we're going all the way to F, it's an E-tier. A, B, C, D, E, F. Yeah, I know my alphabet. Uh, I, I questioned myself for a second there. Yikes. We I should reevaluate podcast hosting if I don't know the alphabet. Uh, but the Vikings are going to have to throw the ball plenty this year. Yes, Brian Flores is probably going to make this this defense you know, a, a D-tier defense, if you will, if C-tier is middle of the pack. That's still not good enough to keep this this team in, in close competitive games. Like the Vikings are gonna have to throw the football to keep themselves in games. Jordan Addison, dude, he has been looking so, so insanely good in preseason. He's been he's been making contested catch practices against the Cardinals. If you've seen those clips on social media, his toe drag in week one of preseason action, that was a thing of beauty. Like this is a guy who has great. Aware, yes, it was a catch. There's this guy has great awareness on the football field. He has great footwork. He has exceptional route running ability. And frankly, I like if you're looking at all the things Adam Thielen is great at. Jordan Addison is younger, and I would say at this point of their careers is is arguably pretty close to where Adam Thielen is. Is that a bold statement? That's probably a bold statement. Well, you, you're if you're saying that Addison's ability. And Thielen's ability currently are about the same. I would agree because I think a lot of people just think back to like prime Thielen and they're like, yes, yes. whoa, 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 what is that? And you're like, We're no, talking- Addison, Addison can exceed this, that ceiling of Thielen. But right now, just as he coming in as a rookie and Thielen on his way out, they are relatively the same. Right. That's, that's 100% what, what I'm getting at. And if Kevin O'Connell's going to let Kirk throw it all over the yard, we've seen Kirk Cousins support. Top 15 wide receiver for our friend Alex Caruso in 60% of 
of his seasons with the Minnesota Vikings. In three out of five years, Kirk Cousins has supported two top 15 wide receivers. And yes, rookie wide receivers start slow. But you look at Garrett Wilson's numbers towards the second half of the season. That dude was something else. And I'm not calling Jordan Addison Garrett Wilson. But that dude, Jordan Addison, he is talented. He is quick. Kevin O'Connell is going to find the way to get the ball into his hands. And you're just looking. You're looking at the price tag. Wide receiver, 38 on sleeper. 37, excuse me, on sleeper. Jahan Dotson, 38. Jordan Addison, 37. These are just two guys who have such immense upside, and I really think you're drafting them at their floors, especially Adam Thielen last year. He was putrid last year. Let's not kid ourselves. He was pretty bad last year. He finished as a wide receiver 30 last year. So what are we doing drafting Jordan Addison, who's the younger, talented, more athletic player, who they just spent first-round draft capital on? What are we doing drafting him after Adam Thielen's finish last year? This is a guy who I am a 1,000% confident is going to beat out his ADP at the wide receiver 37 this year. And I pushed a lot of my chips on him now as well. Like, I'm sure I'm sure as we, if we look at our best ball exposure on underdog, I'm sure Jordan Addison has been absolutely rising <laughs> up, my big, up my exposure ranks uh, uh, on underdog. So I am I'm in love with Jordan Addison, man. I, I just cannot get enough of him in drafts right now. And he is, again, one of, my, one of the easier flag plans for me in 2023. I just he, he, he admittedly he admittedly was one I I didn't he he was my last one that I put in I'm I'm gonna be transparent with the people he, like he was easy for me to put in but he was also like on my short list of other players who I thought would be easy to put in here and I was mostly hesitant on Addison because I really didn't start coming up on Addison until probably about you know mid July so I was a little bit later and and I got burned on that last year with uh, our good friend Alan Robinson. <laughs> when all the hype started coming out on him and I'm like, Oh, you know what, man, you know what? He's been looking really good at camp that there's all this great coach speak on him. But, uh, I, I, I think, I think Jordan Addison is different. I, I think he's going to be very different than an Allen Robinson in the Minnesota Vikings offense. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go in on Jordan Addison this year as a rookie wide receiver. I think he figures it out relatively quickly, just given the flashes that we've already seen in preseason. I, I just think about it like this. If you're taking Jefferson, like, where like where he projects to finish right if you're taking tj hawkinson where he pretty much performed to last year as a tight end three why are we taking jordan addison behind where thielen went and again it's not a one for one but not addison going behind where thielen finished and oz and kj osborne let's not let's not forget about him he's going in like the 60s is he not like yeah he's he's like wide receiver two i believe yeah and what if i told you the vikings were like when i say top five passing offense i don't i'm not talking about efficiency i'm just saying overall attempts yeah right they're third top three guess what this offense is designed and built to give volume to every single one of those guys I mentioned. Like, yeah. sure, it may be in like I've I've always I've been asking myself this question all offseason long. Like, is he a flag? Is Jordan Addison a flag plant? Is he a league winner? Is he someone that I can buy low on at some point in the season? And the honestly, answer is yes to all of those, by the way. And the answer and, is yes to all of those. And, and that's why I come back to the point of I should just draft him because I can't get like the answer is yes, but I can't walk away by saying like, it's definitely this one over the other two. Right. So, I mean, this offense, even just stop, stop sleeping on our Vikings on in fantasy football. They're really good in fantasy football. Just so just stop sleeping on them. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's uh, let's get to Cameron's last flag plan here to close out the episode. It is another wide receiver. Uh, he went with Deontay Johnson. And he, admittedly, I think he is, yeah, you and I are both kind of in the same boat here. I, I like Deontay Johnson, kind of. I also like George Pickens. I, I love Cameron George Pickens. I know, and you love George Pickens. Here's the thing about Deontay Johnson, though, right? Uh, let me just read off a few metrics, right? 147 targets last year. That was sixth most in the league. Uh, 27% target share. That was 13th. You look at his routes run, 560. That was ninth. Sixth in route participation. Looking at red zone targets, he was 10th in red zone targets last year. Second in unrealized air yards with 875. I mean, there, there's a lot to like here about Deontay Johnson, but you also you also look at... Here's, here's the thing that baffles me about Deontay Johnson. Catchable target rate, 85%. That was 13th best. You don't know what his true catch rate was, though, last year, Ty? 
What was that? 69%. Nice. Nice. But that was a hundredth in the league. So so this guy's getting catchable targets, but he can't hold on to the football. Uh, you look at his drops as well. Where, where are the drop numbers? There they are. Nine drops last year. That was second most in the league. So my, on the one hand, I don't think Deontay Johnson scores zero touchdowns again this year. I think that is highly unlikely. Now, that being said, I think George Pickens starts to emerge a bit more this year as well. So I like – I. I, I get Cameron. This is a guy Cameron has started coming up on. I think he he's again, I think back to Allen Robinson last year. Like, I don't think Deontay Johnson is going to flop as hard as Allen Robinson did, but this is again, like I didn't hear Cameron start talking about Deontay Johnson until like middle of July, which is when I really started talking about Allen Robinson last year. And that burned me. Um, Cameron has his reason for being in on Deontay Johnson. Uh, and I think there is room for upside there. And the Steelers offense has actually looked sneaky good in preseason under Kenny Pickett. They've actually looked sneaky, sneaky good. So is there room for Deontay Johnson to outperform his wide receiver? What is he going as a wide receiver 36 right now? I believe he's going as, uh, I, yeah. I have that number. I have the number right here. He's currently going as, uh, the wide receiver. Yeah. It's 36 on sleeper right now. Holy crap. He's going as a wide receiver 24 on ESPN. That's insane. Oof. Oof. That's too high. Um, <laughs> George Pickens, his teammate on sleeper, goes as a wide receiver 33. So, like, I think, is there room, like, can they both finish as top 30 wide receivers this year, yes or no? That's the question I'll ask you, because I think that's what it would take for, I would have to be screaming confident that they would both be top, well, that Deontay Johnson could be top 24 wide receiver this year. Cameron would tell you yes. I just don't know if that's possible with Kenny Pickett under center. And I that's just, no knock on Kenny Pickett. This offenses look great. This offenses look great. Yeah, well, and I think maybe the best way to answer that is by playing a little name game, right? And sure. I think you suggesting a name game. Are I'm you suggesting okay because it's a lot better being in this seat than trying to answer the <laughs> questions. That's for sure. So, look, like my I'm going off of my rankings, right? And my my 20s, Drake London is at 20, Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins 21, Mike Williams 22, Christian Kirk 23. Terry 24, DJ Moore 25. Now we'll start. I'll start asking names here. Yep. Brandon Nyuk. Now, um, when I, I should, I should ask me? like this. Yes. I should ask it like this. Um, does, do you see a world where Ayuk, Pickens, and Deontay all finish within the top 30? Yes. I do. I think Tyler, Tyler Lockett. Yes, there's totally a world. I think Tyler Lockett could outscore both of them. Part of part of it is like I don't know where Deontay Johnson's ceiling is. That's why I don't want to bet on him this year. I don't know where his ceiling is. Like Brandon Ayuk, I know what his ceiling is. His mm-hmm. ceiling is a top fifteen wide receiver because that's where he finished last year. Now I think keep going. Sorry, I think here is our answer here because in my rankings, I've got two guys that I'm fairly certain Cam is like all the way out on this year, in Christian Watson and Michael Pittman. I've got uh, those two yep. at 29 and 30. And I think Cam would argue, and I, I I have a feeling you would argue this as well, that Pickens and Deontay will both finish above those guys. Uh not ahead of I have Christian Watson as a top 24 wide receiver. He's my wide receiver 22 currently. Oh I'm in on Christian Watson. Oh I'm back in. I'm back in, baby. Let's go. I'm back in. But Michael um, Pittman, I would agree. Yes, Deontay. I, I would think Deontay and George Pickens finish. I had both finish ahead of Michael Pittman. So and, again, and that's not a knock on Michael Pittman. I like I haven't. I have Pittman sat it out for 140 targets this year. I do too. <laughs> but his catch rate is just so stupidly low because I don't think Anthony Richardson's going to complete more than 60 percent of his passes this year. That's why. Yeah. So again, I think from Cam's perspective, just knowing that he's not in a Christian Watson, he's not in a Michael Pittman. Those are two guys that are right away. Like two are two guys that he will have Deontay Johnson finishing ahead of. And based on my rankings that would then put Deontay and Pickens inside the top 30. So it's not like all that to say, like it's not totally unreasonable to think that both Deontay and Pickens can finish top 30. Um, but I, it is going to be a tough, like you, 
you're getting a floor every single week with Deontay Johnson. You're not getting a ton of upside. You're getting upside with Pickens, but you're not really getting a floor with Pickens. So it's kind of like a pick your poison kind of thing. And I could completely understand why someone would rather go with the floor with Deontay than an upside with Pickens. Uh, and, and oh, I mean, and that's, I think that's the argument Cam would make is that the upside is actually all the touchdowns that he could score this year. Right. Um, which I understand. So like there is a world, there is totally a world where Deontay Johnson finishes as a top 24 wide receiver this year. And you and I can eat crow, right? Like I, that, that that's a hundred percent of possibility. I just, there's just so many other guys going in that range who I think have more upside than Deontay Johnson that I would just rather take them. And frankly, at this point in most of my drafts, I've already taken three wide receivers and I'm looking to build out running back at this point with how late running backs are going this year. So, um, that's just my strategy, but there's definitely been a world where I've looked at Deontay Johnson in a couple drafts. In the words of Cam, there's a better chance than zero that Deontay Johnson finishes with more than zero touchdowns. That's yes, that's I would <laughs> I would 100% agree with that. Uh, let's wrap it up here, Ty. We've gone over an hour. We spent a lot of time in those last three flag plans, but I think it was necessary too. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas Podcast. I know I wanted to run through a few honorable mentions, but. Uh, if you want, if you're curious about those, you can ask us in the comments. We'll go ahead and, and reply to your comment down there. But thanks for tuning in again. If you're not subscribed on YouTube already, make sure you do that. Turn on those notifications so you know when new episodes are coming out daily. Now that the uh, NFL season is underway, like we're, we're seriously every day, uh, we're gonna have waivers on Monday. We're gonna have takeaways on Tuesday. We're gonna have uh, buy low, sell high on Wednesday. We're gonna have a week preview on Thursday. We're going to have. Uh, Player projections for the week start sets on Friday. We're going to go live on Sunday. It's literally every single day we are bringing you content. We're even going to bring you some pickums over on Underdog Fantasy as well. Promo code FELLAS. If you want our draft guide for free, uh, if your league hasn't drafted yet, you can use promo code FELLAS and make a deposit there. Get our draft guide for free. Uh, we'll give you some pickums from Underdog as well throughout the season. But uh, if you're listening to the podcast, thanks again. Uh, make sure to, to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a nice little review for us. We so greatly appreciate it we started cracking into uh so some of the i forget what it's called it's not the billboard for podcasts but it's it's similar to the billboard for podcasts um, we're cracking into that range but hey uh if you would share this with a friend as well if you enjoyed listening to the pod uh, we would greatly greatly appreciate that we're grateful for all your support along the way uh ty anything you want to add before we check out here just just draft the guys that we told you to in this episode <laughs> because you'll think it's later Nothing can possibly go wrong. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing it's absolutely it's nothing. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Fancy Football Fellows Podcast. We will be back next week. No episode early next week because of Labor Day, but we will be back on Thursday for a week one preview. Football is almost here, folks. We are excited. We hope you are, too. We will see you next week. Deuces. Deuces.